You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm your co-host, Pastor Josh. I always sign my emails now, PJ, just because it's short and sweet, but I'm with my other co-host, Matt Shiles. Matt, it's great to be with you. Yes, it's nice to be here, PJ. Yeah, PJ, yeah. PJs, you know, PJ, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, this is a uh, this is a fun one because we're in uh, a new series. A new series, yes. And we're in Advent. This is the third series that I have been a part of since I've been pastor at Northland, which I guess, well, that I've created. Yeah, because I did come come in the the end of a series that Gus had done. Yes, and interestingly, just so that you all know, that coming up in. 2023, after we do our Northland 2.0 series, because we've talked about that, we will go back into the book of Acts and have this continuity between Pastor Gus and me. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that series coming up. But anyways, yes. nevertheless, this is my third series that I'm doing as the pastor at Northland. Yeah, it'll be great to be back in the Acts. And, and up in our admin area, we have a, a picture of the art of all the series. So as we start a new series, it gets put on the wall. So it's it's fun to see that visual and in, uh, in those Absolutely. pile up. Yeah. Um, so this was November 26th and November 27th, and it's Simple Christmas, Complicated Family, Simple Savior. And we were in Matthew 1. It's the genealogy of Jesus. The main point was slow down this season so you don't mess up its reason. Kind of kind of catchy. Isn't it's it? catchy. Catchy. It's I like, like it. It's like a jingle. <laughs> yeah, because you immediately think of Jesus as the reason for the season, right? right. The way that that just kind of flows off your tongue. And um, and it's one of those that just kind of stops you. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Because we do not want to mess you up. I like how I use that slow down, mess up, you know, so down, up. And so I, you, I didn't even notice You didn't even that. notice it? Oh, no. well, that's why I capitalize it. Down, mess up. Okay. So anywho, yeah, so down, season, up, reason. So That's why we do this so that, yeah, I might be a slow learner, so <laughs> – so, I mean, I spent a, I spent a lot of time trying to think of that one little catchy one-liner. So now sometimes I have a very long, you know, introductory kind of main point. But no, if I can, if it, it, you know, if I can, I try to do as pithy of a of yeah. a one-liner as I possibly can on a main point, so it is catchy. Yeah, I I think you did a good job. Yeah, and in the Thanks, uh, I feel much better now. <laughs> Joe, you got to quit laughing, man. You got to quit laughing. <laughs> oh man! And, and something you said—you said you want this series to um, to be encouraging, to be challenging, and um, you want it to exhort us yeah. to make room for the most important gift. Yeah. Um, in, in the outline, we had five reasons to slow down. Uh, Jesus came to bring about new creation. Jesus came to fulfill God's promises. Jesus came to identify with all people. Jesus came to throw a cosmic celebration. And finally, Jesus came to save sinners from their sin. Um, so as we start, I want to talk about packing. I'm a last-minute packer. Are you? Yeah. I think most guys are. I think. I and, mean, I haven't, yeah. I haven't taken a survey. Yeah. 
But I think anecdotally, most guys, Joe, Logan, you last-minute Packer, uh, okay, Lo- you write out a list. Logan, are you a list person? Okay, okay. okay. all right, all right. So he's on the other side. Yeah, but I mean, one, one out of one out of four. I yeah. mean, so seventy five percent of guys. I mean, so I've just taken a survey out of the four guys in this room. Very scientific. survey says guys are last minute packers. <laughs> and for me, what that means is I pack too much because I, I just happens. throw so much in. And as I was thinking about it, it's funny because even though I pack too much. Without a plan, it still leads to me leaving things out. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that is exactly how December can feel. Yeah. Right. So so you would say from from just your perspective, you know, again, we have not taken a survey from guys though, yeah. but that you could you could kind of attest to this this imagery, yes. this illustration of even though you might even overpack, you still forget some important things. Absolutely. Yeah. What have you forgotten? Because it, it does one thing that you've forgotten. Oh, I've forgotten my toothbrush before. Oh, have you? Yeah. So if I have, if we're going for five days and I have ten shirts, that doesn't matter if I don't have my toothbrush. Yeah. And you don't want to go to Target or Walmart or CVS to buy a new toothbrush, and you sure don't want that toothbrush that they're going to give you at the Hampton Inn front desk. And I'm that not going to. won't clean your teeth very well. And I'm not going to use my wife, so I'm going to go. Get <laughs> oh, <I'm, laughs> oh my gosh, that would be another fun survey to take. Is how be. many of you would use your wife's toothbrush, and how many wives would let their husband use their toothbrush? Like, uh, I can't imagine. I couldn't. Well, and Joni's like, well, <laughs> we swap each other's spit when we kiss each other, and I'm like, baby, that's not the same thing. It's totally so. different. It is totally different. We're getting really way off topic. Sorry. We are. Swapping spit. Mm. So, <laughs> so I, I, I do want to ask, though, how does your packing differ than how you approach December? Because I feel like you approach December in a very specific, intentional way. Well, I mean, I, as a pastor, sure, because I'm having to plan messages that really keep my heart in it. Mm. But I would say – that even the last three years prior to me coming to Northland, being a teaching pastor and not being, you know, not not teaching every single Sunday, mm-hmm. it is it is difficult because we get we get sucked into the vortex of the Christmas season, and it, it does it 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 has a tendency to mess up the reason. Mm. And I know even with kids, it. it it's hard to get them out of the mindset that Christmas is not primarily yeah. about Christmas Day and opening gifts, yeah. but that's what they look forward to. And so I know this season, like that's one of the examples that I gave about how Joni and I gave our kids money. Hey, go out and buy stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. Like j- just try to get out of this mindset. It's about you. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's one of the things that, that our culture teaches us by default it's about you no yeah. it's not and yeah. you know because it really is a for believers it is the season that that we need to attune our hearts and our minds to Jesus but with everything else it gets convoluted and so you do have to be very intentional mm-hmm. and make room how are you going to do that mm-hmm. yeah cuz um s- similar to our previous series where we talked about intentionality if uh if we don't if we're not careful December will just happen to us, and it will just blow by us. Well, and yeah, going back even to the previous series, and and to know, I mean, all of these things are connected. Like you just don't do a series and you move on, and everything else that you say after the series is divorced from what you said. No, they're they're all interconnected because they all come from the Bible. (laughs) But 
But this and is they're all in so, Genesis one. Well, they're, yeah, they're all in Genesis one. So <laughs> and how Gen- Genesis made an appearance this week. So yeah. I mean, it's all connected. <laughs> but it is so true. Like if you don't sit down and make a plan, mm-hmm. like if you if you're not intentional, because when when we when we come to faith in Christ, we are learning a whole new way of life. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, so if you think about uh, a new way of eating, a new way of exercising, a, a, you know, a, a new way of thinking, mm-hmm. uh, like if you don't think through what that new way is of just fill in the blank and you don't make a plan to actually exercise that, mm-hmm. then you never do it. Yeah. So when it comes to the Christian faith and, you know, in, in any area, like particularly the area of the Christmas season, if you don't intentionally make a plan of how you are going to make sure Jesus has room in your life that you celebrate him, then you typically won't do it because mm-hmm. you you have not ex, you have not trained your body to do it, yeah. which now I'm going back to the Iron Man type yeah. stuff too. Yeah. Because you do have to – like that's where the Spirit of God lives in us to help us to be trained into this new way of living, which you know includes a new way of thinking mm. and behaving. Yeah, that's great. So you mentioned – I don't know if you mentioned this at every service – but you mentioned that in the interview that you and Joni had, there was this question. So I remember this. I was on the pastor search committee. What Bible character does your husband remind you of? And just in general, the the interview with, uh, if we got that far, with uh, the pastor and the wife was one of my favorite because you get to see the dynamics and the, the personalities and, and all. So, yeah, we um, get to see some dynamics. So she had mentioned, what was the response that she said? Oh, I mean, she said, isn't there, isn't there a story about a talking donkey? And, and I was thinking, I'm like, I'm dying on the inside because I'm like, oh, did she really just say that? And I'm like, well, not going to get another interview there. We could, and, uh, we could see it on your face. So. It was wonderful. But she followed that up. Oh, she did. She followed it up. And she gave me a hard time at home. She's like, you didn't tell him what I said afterwards. And I'm like, well, that wasn't really part of the sermon. So, uh, you know. So I'm going to set the record straight yeah. because she did follow it up and she said, Dr. Lee. Dr. Luke. First of all, I, I love that she called him Dr. Luke. Yeah. And um and this she is, knows her Bible. So this was is, yeah, Luke this was is a doctor. Very <laughs> memorable because she said Dr. Luke because um Josh can um relate to and hold his own with scholars and then just go on the golf course and relate to anybody everywhere in just their everyday life. Yeah. And um and it just it was such a a marker for us. It was certainly my favorite interview. Mm-hmm. Was was the, it was you two? Um, but that question might have been the highlight because it was it was great to see how you interact. Right? She caught you off guard, she t- which was awesome. Yeah. But also, um, she gave us an insight into how you tick, and yeah. I we've just seen that yeah. to be absolutely true. Yeah. So, so she says she's a prophet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, which and it is. I mean, and I. I don't know if I would have even said that about myself, but the way she articulated it, I'm like, well, that is me. Like, I, I want to be able to hold my own. I'm a student of God's word. I would classify myself. I mean, I wouldn't classify myself as. I would classify myself as an applied theologian. So I'm not this like this brainiac, mm-hmm. but I can definitely hold my own. Yeah. I want to make sure that theology is applied, but I just want to be down to earth. Like that's why I tell people I preach the heart. I, I don't mm-hmm. preach the intellect a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's times where I want you to to think. But um, I don't even worry about the articulation as much as I worry about preaching to the heart because I want I want to hit you where where we are right mm-hmm. and so I want it to be as as relatable as I possibly can. Hmm. 
That's awesome. Which, when you look at Dr. Luke, I mean, yes, he's smart, uh, how he organizes his thought and his material, Mm -hmm. but then how he writes it to a Gentile audience so that they would understand Mm -hmm. the good news of Jesus. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So this week we were in Matthew 1. You read the entire genealogy. I did. I could have wrapped it. No, I'm just joking. Could not have wrapped it. (laughs) I would like to hear that. Um, But I'll say you... I'll say you almost read the entire thing. Yeah. I'll help you out with this one. Aminadab. I, you know, and I, I – see, I could say it by myself alone in my room. But anytime <laughs> I stood – I mean, it was the weirdest thing. Just that one. Just the <laughs> – it was the – I mean, it really was. It was the weirdest thing. Because you, you were great with some of these others. Uh, Shietiel, I don't even know how to say that one. And yeah, he's – it's you a cool name that to one. pronounce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and that, that, that was the funny part about it is that – I mean, I've read this genealogy so much. And it is. It's like Aminadab. Like, see, I just said it right Look, there. Aminadab. You can say it. <laughs> but when I looked at it, but it was so weird when I was looking at it as I was preaching because I was trying to go through it fairly fast. I wanted to say like You know, that's what my mouth wanted to do. And I'm like, I want to stop it right now because then people would really laugh at me. But Aminadab. See, that's easy. But for some reason, huh. I could not do it on Saturday or Sunday. It was the weirdest thing. Huh. Um, but Holy um, Spirit got my tongue. It was, it it was a it was an experience. I I've don't think I've ever experienced the whole genealogy read oh, in yeah? service like that. Okay, I mean I've certainly read it myself. Yeah. Um. But in service like that. So my question is: Matthew wrote his gospel to a Jewish audience. We talked about that. So why why was it so important? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think this is this is important for us to really dwell on and to get. Why was it so important for him to start with this genealogy? Well, he's connecting he's connecting Jesus to Father Abraham and then also King David. So you have yeah. two of the most I mean now Moses was what was also important in Israel, mm-hmm. but in in terms of the Jews, they definitely saw Abraham as their father. Mm-hmm. They saw David as this prominent king who ushered in this golden age of Israel mm-hmm. and that it was in him that God was going to bring about the Messiah and and the and the cosmic well, I say the cosmic king, the 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 king of of David's line mm-hmm. who's going to conquer the enemies and and institute like reinstitute Israel. So mm-hmm. So as as Matthew is unpacking this genealogy, he's wanting he's wanting the Jews to be reminded, hey, this Jesus who is the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, just want to, want you to know he's connected to these men. Yeah. So that's what they were doing. And I had a good question that somebody asked me. Okay. okay? Yeah. So they asked me, well, Joseph's not really Jesus's dad. Well, technically, blood. Bloodline, no. Right. But he legally adopted Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so in that culture, you, you you did do that. Like, so for instance, even if you look at Abraham, mm-hmm. right? So the, one of the practices was that if Sarah couldn't have a, a, a child, what do they what do they do? So vicariously, they're going to do it through the servant. So that's where Hagar comes in and says, Hagar, go into Abraham, and then you can have a son for us, basically. And so Hagar's out of the picture. Uh, but, I mean, that story went awry because when you don't trust in God's promises, it always leads to failure. Anyway, so mm. that's a whole other story and a whole other message for another day. But it just culturally, they were able to do that. So what you have with Joseph is legally adopting Jesus as his own, mm. which is carrying now through Joseph's line. Yeah. Which is, and then, you know, some scholars, I mean, now this is a minority view, but in Luke, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some scholars think that Luke is tracing Jesus' genealogy through Mary. Mm-hmm. Now, some are doing it because there are a couple of names that are different mm-hmm. than the genealogy in Matthew. But but nevertheless, this is what Matthew is, is doing, and Joseph is rightfully and legally mm-hmm. – Jesus' dad. That's great. Yeah. And, and understanding the audience is so important, right? Yeah. Um, because Matthew is writing to a Jew- Jewish audience, so he connects it back to David and Abraham. And then you have Luke to He's, a Gentile audience, and he connects it all the way back to all Adam. All the way back to Adam. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's it's the beauty of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And where your audience is part of what you have to consider when you're when you're trying to communicate anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, each of the gospel uh, writers made intentional choices, and um, and you really see that uh, highlighted here. Yeah. Um, so you said Jesus came to identify with all people. That was one of your points. Mm-hmm. So how does identifying with Jesus help us to identify with others? Yeah, when you take when you take that list that he identified with sinners, outcast, and outsiders. Now, again, you go back to the intentionality. We tend to only identify with who we want to identify with, mm-hmm. who's going to make us look good, mm-hmm. who's going to be comfortable to us. Mm-hmm. Like, so, for instance, years ago, I read this book called The Big Sort by, I forget his first name, but Bishop. But he talked about how in just America, mm-hmm. how we tended to cluster around homogenous units, like people who look like us, yeah. who dress like us, who talk like us. And so which is why when you look at just a political map, this is very interesting. Many of us have looked at a political map. You will see the clusters of the blue areas, and where will they be located? In cities and urban centers. Red areas will be where? Rural. In rural areas or in the the suburbs. Mm -hmm. So – and then you go to the subdivisions. And again, depending on the subdivision, you know, and so what what you had, I mean, again, now now we're we're seeing – well – I would want to say that we're we're seeing a, that that rectify itself in a little bit, but not really <laughs> in, in American life. But the point is, is that we tend as human beings to cluster around like-minded people who look like us, talk like us. Mm-hmm. Hear what Jesus is saying: I'm identifying with people who are completely not like me at all. Mm. Uh, mm. I'm holy; mm. they're not. I'm the insider because I I am God. Yeah. You're the outsider. Yeah. You know, uh, the outcast, the the people who even kick them out of their own. That you mean it's kind of like, all right, well, no. Uh, so, so Jesus is identifying now, and this is where for us, like, so who are we identifying with? That's why, mm-hmm. as a church, we the 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 beauty of the body of Christ is that we have people that don't think like us. But we have the commonality of Jesus. People that don't look like us, not the same color of our skin, but our commonality mm-hmm. is Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, people who come from a different background, socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. but our commonality is Jesus. Why? Because Jesus, he identified with people who were not like him. Mm. So it, once again, requires that intentionality. Yeah, and there is uh, there's certainly impl- implications for that for ourselves, right? The um, the ability that Jesus can identify with us, but then, as we are believers, then there are implications for others, how we view others, how we treat others, how we are called to. Yeah, and, and yeah. but I would I would also in and and I didn't go there uh, this weekend, but notice I said identify. He did not affirm them. Mm. 
Hmm. So that just because he dwelt among them doesn't mean his presence was affirming of their sin, why they were an outcast, why they were an outsider. He identifies with them, which is why I followed it up with that next point, which is that Jesus came to save sinners. So he identifies with the sinner, but he saves them from their sin. And I think that's so important for us as the church to even remember is that, yes, we can identify with people in their sin, but that doesn't mean that we affirm their sin. And I do feel like that we, we do live in a culture where sinners want to be affirmed of what they're doing that is sinful, and Jesus did not do that. That's one one of the, uh, I would say, most prominent passages that comes to my mind is John 8 with a woman uh, who is caught in adultery. They're ready to stone her. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, he comes and identifies with her, yeah. and he's like, he who is without sin yeah. cast the first stone. Then they started to drop their stones, and one by one they left. And mm-hmm. you know, Jesus looks at her, is anybody here ready to stone you? No, they left. And, but what does he say? Is go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. You know, so he identifies with us, mm-hmm. but he doesn't affirm us in our state, in yeah. our sinful state. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is the religious leaders of the day were seeming to call Jesus out because they were thinking that he was affirming them. Yeah, because he called them a friend of sinners. Yeah. That he yeah. And and, and again, that's the messy and that's why I love the messy middle. Mm-hmm. How do you identify with someone that that is sinful? And again, we're all sinful. We're all we all have fallen short of the glory of God. But those who are far from Jesus, yeah. how do we identify without affirming? And 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 so and and there therein lies that that messy middle because we are called to love. We are called to be present. That's why I love this idea of faithful presence. That when Jesus came, he he is the embodiment of the presence of God. So he came and he dwelt among man. That's why the you know I love that that little statement that Jesus didn't come for a luxury vacation. Yeah, he came for a rescue mission. Yeah, and so so that's where like our presence in people's lives. We just have to remember why we're present, hmm. and the reason why we're present is the same reason why Jesus came to be present. Hmm. It's for a rescue mission, and that rescue mission, as we saw in generosity, is actually undergirded and founded upon love. That yeah. we truly do love, which is why we're present. We truly do love. That's why we don't affirm. Mm. Because if we affirm people in their sin, why do they need a savior? Yeah, they don't. If if we're saying, "Hey, what you're doing is hey, it's okay. Yeah. I love you." No, like that's part of the presence of God in our life is that He loves us, but He loves us too much to leave us the way He found us. Yeah, yeah. So that leads us to our next question. Um, you said, as we enter into this Christmas season, we will will we slow down long enough to feel the weight of sin? Um, so, how does feeling the weight of sin of our own sin connect us to God? Well, I've, I've, I've always liked to say it this way. Is the ex- the extent to which you understand you are a sinner mm-hmm. separated from God will be the extent to which you see the beauty and grace of God in your life. Mm-hmm. If if you if you if you don't see yourself as that bad, mm-hmm. then you won't see God as that good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm like, you've got to feel the weight. I mean, Paul felt the weight. He, I mean, like you can't you, you can't read his writings and go, well, you know, 
him. He thought he was good enough. No, he's like, I was good, but my my goodness was as filthy rags mm-hmm. compared to the glory and the grace of God. And so that that's why I, I, for for me in my own life to know that I am a sinner that is separated from God. And even though I grew up in a good family that loved me well, hmm. that took me to church every time the doors were open, hmm. that were moral, all of that stuff, hmm. I still I, – I came to this realization when I was in my teenage years. Hmm. Now, and I had been – again, I, I had professed faith in Christ at the age of eight – and I believe I was saved because I also made the statement. That's why sometimes I defer yeah. young kids so that they can kind of feel the weight yeah. because I don't want them to have this false assumption, well, well, I was baptized and now I'm saved because baptism isn't salvific. Baptism doesn't save you. It is, an, it is a symbol that you have been saved. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I just remember feeling the weight when I was a teenager because that's when I you know as a teenager you're trying to find you know find your identity who you are you're struggling with some things and so that's why you know teenagers typically are notorious for getting saved multiple times yeah just because they're struggling with their sin and so just because you struggle with your sin doesn't mean you need to be resaved because I do believe that once you're saved you're always saved but nevertheless what they're feeling is the weight yeah. of their sin yes. And so that's what I feel like we need to constantly remember, and that's why I love communion and celebrating communion at least once a month, is that it just it just attunes our heart and mind to Jesus and what he's done mm. because it allows us that moment to feel the weight of sin. It costs Jesus his life, yeah. and we, we never need to forget that. Mm. And that's why I feel like that connects us to God because it connects us in a spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving. Mm. And as we said like last week – is that gratitude actually precedes generosity. Mm. So we'll never be generous towards the people and things God loves unless we are grateful and Mm. thankful first. And that's where I feel like the weight of our sin actually allows us to experience the freedom of our salvation, Mm. you you know, because of what Jesus did. Mm. That's great. The weight of our sin allows us to experience the freedom of salvation. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. We, we, again, like I mean, if you think about, um, I, I was talking to, I was talking to someone who serves in, in the prisons, and and what I what I've heard is that the that when they hear me re- refer to chains and imprisonment, but then also the freedom of God, they they get very lively because oh, yeah. they, they can actually experience that because even though they're behind bars, they do have this freedom in Christ. But just imagine if you were in max in a maximum security prison mm-hmm. and you were put there because of your sin, mm-hmm. but someone said, "I'll pay that debt for you." And I'll I'll actually put myself in there so that you can go free. So that's what we have to realize is that we were in debt. We were enslaved. We were imprisoned by our own sin. Mm. Jesus says to the Father, and the Father tells Jesus, hey, I'm going to make you the sacrifice for the humans who sinned against me and you're going you're going to be the one now mm. that pays that debt. So you're going you're going to exchange spots with them. And I'm going to pour my wrath out on you so that they can go free. And so just think about it. So you're in maximum security prison. You have not, and you cannot do anything. Your good behavior because of what you've done, even your good behavior in that maximum security prison won't let you out. 
but God, in but God, but grace, as we would read in Ephesians 2, but by grace you have been saved, and not on what you have done or in account of who you are, mm. but because of Jesus, right? So he took your place so that you can go free. So the extent to which you understand that you were enslaved and you can feel the weight of your sin mm. will determine the extent to which you can experience the freedom of your salvation, that you have now been free because the Son has set you free and you are free indeed. Amen. Amen. So as we get into our final question, I thought we could um, – let me just read the five practical ways we can slow down. Um, I think it's important for us to try to remember these, to be intentional about doing them throughout this season, and then I'll just leave it for you to um, to comment okay. on, on any of them. So. Uh, the first one, five practical ways we can slow down. Uh, number one, because Jesus is the dawn of new creation, ask the Lord, what areas of my life do I need him to do a new work? Number two, because Jesus is the yes to God's promises, count your blessings by recounting God's faithfulness. Number three, because Jesus identifies with all humanity, serve somewhere or someone you normally don't serve. Number four, because Jesus throws the cosmic party, find a way to bring joy to someone else outside of your normal routine. And lastly, number five, because Jesus brings salvation to sinners, invite someone to one of our four Christmas gatherings. Yeah, when I was finishing up the message, I said we we need some practical ways to embody this truth. Yeah. And so I did. I spent some time developing each point and how we can kind of embody that in our life. Yeah. And I I would just reiterate today, what new work do you need God to do? Because we are in the process of being conformed more into the image of Jesus. So there's always Always, a work to be done. So what area is God wanting to work on you right now? Yeah. And so that that's the question that you're going to ask yourself because you're going to slow down because if Jesus is the dawn of new creation and so the first advent, his first coming marks the dawn of new creation, Paul, he's going to say that we are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. So now we are being conformed into our, our newness. Just what area do you need God to do a new work in? The The other thing, like the identification with all humanity, like serve somewhere – like th- this is where I'm like this would be a great opportunity to to serve Northland during the the Christmas yeah. season. Yeah. Like, and I'm not asking you to continue to do it even after the Christmas season. Just 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 do it this once. Yeah. Now, what I hope and pray is that you will find an area to serve in. Yeah. Because again, Jesus didn't. It was not like one and done. <laughs> Jesus didn't serve once, yeah. and he was like, "Ah, oh, good, I'm done serving, and now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to doing what I was doing." No, yeah. I mean. Hey, what is he? What is he doing? He's constantly sitting at the right hand of God, interceding on behalf of us. He's serving us yeah. constantly by interceding for us, right? Yeah. So, I mean, again, but I'm just asking you right now, this Christmas season, just to slow down, so slow down the season, so you don't mess up its reason. Just, just find somewhere or someone to serve, and then the, this cosmic party. That's what, like, so when you look at the year of jubilee, yeah, 
And could you imagine? Like, and that's where I'm like, if, could you could you imagine that you're you're a servant? And and because one of the things is they not only had Gentile slaves as they conquered the the enemies that were inhabiting the land, mm-hmm. but there were Jews who fell into debt who actually became a, a servant of another Jew. Mm-hmm. So every forty nine years. Part of that servitude would be to forgive them their debts. Like, I mean, imagine. All right, so you had this, you had this humongous debt. So think about it. Like, you're in your house because this is what would happen. Like, so like you're in, you know, you're enslaved. You're in debt to your house. But every 49 years, that person who holds your mortgage forgives you that debt. There's a lot of celebrations going on. <laughs> yeah. So, so imagine the joy. Yeah. Imagine the hope. That 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 people in debt, yeah. people who were enslaved, yeah. people who were servants, people who had lost their land because they couldn't. So imagine the hope that they had forty nine years, man. It, it, next year, next year, and then to experience that year, yeah. and then to experience the freedom of the year of jubilee. Mm. What joy mm. many of the Jews had. In that year of jubilee, well, we have a cosmic jubilee. Hmm. So, so as we embody what is coming, how can we bring joy to someone this season? Mm-hmm. And just this small act of kindness. So, we, you know, it could be, you know, we, we've heard it. Pay, you know, pay for the person behind you. You, you know, you can do that. Uh, you can, like I said, give give a gift card out to your mail carrier. I mean, how many how many people really bring joy to the mail carrier? Probably not a lot. So just find someone that you normally would not bless yep. and bring joy to their life. Yep. And, and then this is where I would say just let's pray for God to do an incredible work this Christmas season, particularly at our Christmas Eve gatherings, because there will be a lot of people yep. um, that that m- maybe will come to Northland for the first time. Yep. Maybe it will be their, their second or third time, but they will hear clearly the the gospel and we pray that many men women uh, boys and girls will will come to faith in Christ this Christmas season and Amen. so could could we be a part of that by just inviting simple invite that's why I would love to see as we put out and I'll I'll, I'll reiterate this so as we put out our social media post I mean I want to see the shares total into the hundreds. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have 22,000 people that follow us on Facebook, I believe. I know, I think it's, yeah, 22,000. I, well, I would love to see at least a, 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 over 100. I've never seen 100 shares since I've been here. Hmm. So I'd love to see over 100 shares of of people sharing our Christmas Eve gatherings. So we'll see what the Lord does in just the simple act of inviting. Wonderful. So I'm looking forward to this uh, season our Christmas tree is up. Our ornaments will be up tonight. Oh, I tonight! Think. So you put it. Oh, so you're putting up your ornaments tonight. Yeah, but you've had it up for. Uh, two well, we've months? had. Well, we've had our tree up a couple of weeks, but we okay. literally just put our ornaments up on Saturday. On Saturday. Okay. On yeah. Saturday. Yeah. yeah. And so now the tree and the ornaments are up. The Joni has uh, put out the lights. Uh, I'm not. You know, for some reason, I, like it's not that I'm an anti-light guy. I just. Uh, I always have these these bad thoughts of Clark Griswold falling off his house <laughs> when you put lights on. So Christmas vacation, yeah, what that's well. Yeah, so movie. as we wrap up, so what's your top top three Christmas movies? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, years ago I'd probably say Elf with okay. Will Ferrell. Okay, but I think my wife has worn that one out. Okay, we watched that 
so much, but that's still that's still a good one. Okay. Um, Home Alone. Okay. Yeah, Home Alone. Does that count as a Christmas well, movie? Because I because I know that can be a debate. Well, I mean, no, I, I would say well, I think it's. More of a Christmas movie than Die Hard is. See, I would make the claim that Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Oh my gosh! Well, I, re- well, I mean, well, I, listen, I didn't say I had this it. debate uh, on Thanksgiving with a couple of people. Yeah, I, but but in Home Alone, though, yeah. it's like it's there's Christmas trees. Yeah, so um, I love Christmas with the Cranks. That's a fun one. Oh wow! It, it's a Wonderful Life is uh, is hard to beat. I okay. love that movie. How about you? All right, so my top three. Yeah. Make My top three, very official. White Christmas. I so, don't think I've seen it. Well, Bing Crosby. Yeah, well, I mean, I know of it. Well, you need to stop right now. You need to go and you need to watch it. It's, so it's yeah. old, isn't it old? Well, isn't it? It's a Wonderful Life old too. That's true. I mean, That's like, true. I mean, <laughs> uh, you got me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that one. Okay. So White Christmas, The Santa Claus, and then Christmas Vacation. Like it's just classic. In which, I mean, if I was going to go to, you know, five Fred Claus, like that's with Vince Vaughn. Love that. Love that movie. And then if I had to go with a fifth one just for nostalgia is Ernest Saves Christmas. And yeah, I, like, I used to and watch. He came all to Orlando. Of those. I think he came to Orlando. I think that's where he came to see Santa Claus. Really? If I'm not mistaken, and if I am mistaken, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I know he can't. Yeah, I, he came to Florida, but I'm uh, almost one. I'm one hundred percent sure, almost. So that'd be ninety nine point nine percent. Okay, we need to fact check that. We'll yeah. fact check. Yeah, we'll definitely fact. I I used to watch all those movies. Okay, I'll have yep. to rewatch so, that. Well, it was so good talking about Matthew 1 and then even as we ended with our favorite Christmas movies. So, Northland, you are loved. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of Extra Takes. We love you. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.